Hey, welcome to the Race to Alaska podcast, The Daily Fix. My name is Daniel Evans, race boss for Race to Alaska. Let's get at it. Okay, today is July 2nd. We are going to play the second part of the racer roundtable. During the second part of the roundup, we get to ask the question, how would these racers describe R2AK to a stranger? And I'm posing that question to you, too. How would you describe the race to Alaska to a stranger? I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you could post them in the Facebook comments, I'd love to see them. Also, we get to hear what I think is some of the best considerations around whether to race as a solo or within a team on the race to Alaska that I've ever heard before. And some great thoughts and comments on judgment in general. It's a great one. Plus, if you're interested, listen closely because you will get to learn how to avoid a question. They're really good at it. And I hope you enjoy it. So before that, though, let's do a roundup because we still have three teams out there, right? Make it so, Gar and Oracle. And I think I would just call this a sweeper report because I'm going to read you some of an email that I got from the sweeper as it's hurtling north. Something has happened to Oracle. They've only made 20 miles, but they are not sweepable till at least Monday, even if they sit still. They are already ahead of where they need to be tomorrow to avoid sweeping. Make It So is still the front runner of our tragic trio, although they only advanced 31 miles today. However, at this moment, they appear to be moving north. They are at milepost 663 currently, and it would be surprising if they did not finish in plenty of time since Dixon entrance looks friendly Sunday and Monday. Gar put on another impressive show, moving 51 miles today. Although he only advanced course-wise about 45 miles as he snaked through some islands, putting him at milepost 654 and currently resting. With Dixon Entrance playing nice, he should make Ketchikan under the wire. Oracle is still sweepable. They are the last one still sweepable if everyone maintains current speeds. But they have two and a half days to make 108 miles. That shouldn't be too much of a problem for them. What's really funny, I mentioned this a little bit before, but I talked to all of them when they were in Shearwater and said basically the math wasn't looking good for them. So far, the daily averages they were doing were not going to be enough to get to catch a can before the end of the race. Every one of them gave me what is the phone version of the middle finger. Until this moment, that middle finger has been flying on those vessels as they come up north because I think every one of them is going to get here before the deadline. All right, that's a roundup. We're hoping for all of them. We're hoping to see Make It So come in tomorrow. Currently, they're only doing 0.8 knots out in Dixon Entrance, but we'll see what the weather gives them. Now we're going to start up the second half of the round table. I replayed the introductions of all the teams and team names so you can get re-familiar with those, and then we'll go into it. All right, y'all. Hope you enjoy it. All right, so we're sitting out at the Catch Can Yacht Club. Uh, it's another barbecue Friday. Could we go around real quick and just say what teams are here? And you can say your name as well. Ernie Baird, Gray Speed. Team Gray Speed. Uh, Sean, Team North to Alaska. Martin Musson, Gray Speed. Henry Vietenhans, North to Alaska. Rod Price, Rod Price Adventure. Dave Rush, Team Rush Away. John Calagero, Team Gray Speed. Kristen Peterson, uh, Team Kelp. Elena Losey, Team Kelp. Kevin Rush, Rush Away. Matt Cruz, his reporters. Great, I'm Zach, I'm the film boss. <laughs> All right. So, we wanted to say, how did the race change you? Became a better sailor, personally. So what other people, did other people feel changed from the race? I guess I, 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 I do think I've grown, you know, and part of it was, you know, 
a great experience to kind of push and challenge some of the boundaries that, that you know, each day I had to decide whether or not we would approach these conditions or not. And, you know, I went into the race for a lot of reasons that I wanted to see if I could make those right decisions. I'm here, I'm alive. <laughs> I made it. You know, I, I, I got here in a time that's reasonable for me and I'm happy about. Each day I got to experience that where you have to make those decisions. And I wanted to gain that experience here. So I've grown, I've pushed my experience level. Um, and that was a beautiful thing to be able to do. And so I'm really grateful for the opportunity to have that. So yeah, I've changed in that, you know, I've expanded. You know, I now know a little bit more about myself. I now know a little bit more, more experience. I'd like to speak to it. Technically, what we were doing is what I do for a living, and in part working for Our Bound, but I don't get to push myself, technically, with Our Bound, because I have to stay within my comfort zone. So that's one thing, is to be able to do that. To enter into this endeavor with Ernie and Martin, who I didn't know Martin at all, and Ernie I didn't really know, but I crossed paths with him the first time, in longboats with Daniel on board. <laughs> the opportunity to spend time with them was, was something I was looking forward to. I'm happy to say now I'm really glad I did. So that was a growth piece. And this coast, I moved to the northwest and was very aware that I lived at the southern end, or <clears throat> almost at the southern end of a thousand-mile waterway that one could spend multiple lifetimes exploring. It's the opportunity to do that. In, in the manner that I really enjoy without an engine. It's just fantastic. And definitely, you know, that, that in itself is attractive to do again and again and again. Henry, what about you? Um, did I change? Yeah, change? Did it change? Did it change, change you? Yeah, you don't have to grow. <laughs> <laughs> so five foot ten, might have shrunk a little bit. One of the first time you were camping. Yeah, there yeah. Um, over the course of this race, um, there were a lot of times where I had to make like critical decisions that I'd never been in the position where I would have to make those before. And I think that that is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this race and to lead a team. Um, yeah, and I, I was put in those positions and I made choices that sometimes I regretted, but mostly I was happy with the decisions that I made over the course of the race. And I think I grew as a, as a leader and I definitely learned a lot about sailing and being in an open boat for that long. I'd, I'd never really sailed before. I learned how to sail doing this race. So, that's I'm going to edit that out. You're not the only one. <laughs> All right, Mark, you have a question you want to ask? Yeah, I was just curious. For all of those, especially the kayak, I mean, would you recommend someone do this race by themselves? And for those of you who may have raced with another partner, would you have wanted or would you consider doing it by yourself? We see a mixed group who do this. Well, I'll just say, absolutely. Would you consider? There is tremendous benefit to being with others. Um, and some of it is social and emotional, and there are tremendous benefits for it. But if you want to push yourself, absolutely I would consider doing it by yourself. Now, you have to be prepared for, mentally prepared for some very different situations. 
But I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. <laughs> so, you know, because, because there are tremendous benefits to having a partner, both in checking your own decision-making. So, you know, Henry had to make these decisions. Someone has to make the decisions. But I was supported by a crew of people. Right. That I could and you have to yeah. verbalize those decisions. <laughs> and so you have to explain them to somebody else. And when you have to explain your decision to someone else, you might actually make a different decision. And uh, sometimes when you're alone and you make a decision, you wouldn't make the same decision. And so I, I think that it's worthwhile as a recommendation to go with a partner, to go with other people. But if you're considering it alone and you're ready for that and you have the experience, you have the background to do this, then, you know, this is something you can do alone if, if you really want to do it. I wouldn't necessarily recommend Anybody else consider doing it a lot? I think, I think there's, if, again, with your, what kind, of, what kind of boat you choose to take, this is another, you can go two roads in this race. If you really want to push yourself personally and mentally, there's something that you can't do if you have a team supporting you. Having a team changes the experience entirely. And it was great. It was a great experience to do with a team. I think it was safer. Um, again, you can check your decision-making and everybody can kind of weigh in. But if you're prepared to do it and you really want to push yourself mentally, um, I would definitely recommend trying this race alone. And I think after having done it with a team, I'm now tempted to do this race single-handedly. Yeah. I think part of it is if you're, um, if you're with a team, you're going to be in a bigger boat. right? If you're in a bigger boat, you're going to go into bigger water. Okay? So there's different challenges that you're going to en- encounter in bigger water. If you're in a smaller boat, apart from the crossings that you've got to make, you're going to spend a lot of the time against the shore. And um, there's, a just, there's just a difference there. You still need all the skill sets and everything, but they are different skill sets. Um, personally, when it came into the, was it the first year of 2015, I did think about doing the R2AK, and it took me about not long, five days to decide, no, that's too dangerous. <laughs> that's way too dangerous. And uh, in the 2015, keeping an eye on the tracker and seeing the photographs that was going on in Johnson Straits, it's like, thank God I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah. But 2016, it was a different different kettle of fish. So by the end of 2016, and bumping into it, and it's like, oh, yeah, it's doable. But I didn't think it was doable for 2015. <laughs> yeah. I was glad. Very happy. Very, very happy to be part of a team because my own skill set proved that at the high winds, you know, the 30 miles an hour and plus or 30 knots and plus, it's like, I haven't got the balls for it. I'm there and I'm not fearful, but I just haven't got the balls to deal with it. I was in hotels. (laughs) (laughs) So it was really, for me, it was really nice to be with other people that showed no fear. (laughs) Because <laughs> when there's no fear, I have no fear. If somebody shows fear, it rubs off. And I don't know how you deal with that as a, a lone, single, solo person. I mean, yeah, if there's go concern. Alone, if you're going to go it alone, yeah. know your limits. Yeah. Know what they are and stay with them. Yeah. Because this is real. This race is real. There are real concerns as you make this. So when you do that, you know, if, if, if anyone out there is considering doing that, know what are your limits, and then stay with them. It can be really hard because it's, I mean, you, you, sometimes you do really want to go. Because it's just natural. But, but if you're going to go alone, know your limits and, and 
fight to stay with with them. Because if you if you decide to race too hard to go beyond them and use this as an experience to expand your life, you could be in a world of hurdle. So I'm just wondering. I think are there are there any other burning questions out there? So I'm just wondering, we can kind of wrap this up, um, and, and thanks y'all for sitting around, one, for doing the race, two, uh, for sitting around and talking about the race. I imagine just love hearing the stories, too. And I, th- I think a lot of people out there do as well. So telling your story helps inform others. You know, the race, it's an adventure race, for sure, but there is a lot of risk, like you were saying, Matt, and so um, I want people to make prudent decisions while they're doing this as they kind of learn about themselves and learn about the surroundings and really challenge themselves. But I'm curious from you all, just as kind of a final question, that now after this race is done, when someone says to you, race to Alaska, what does that make you think of? Made me smile. Just yeah. saying it right now. <laughs> Whales. <laughs> Makes you proud, to, yeah. Build, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Really proud, yeah. Dude, I, I think what this race is, 90% of this race is just showing up, right? Like just getting over the first decision to say, yes, I'm going to do it. And someone else has that quote, right? 90% of life is just showing up. And 90% of this, life, this race is just having that courage to say, yes, I want to do it. And if you do that, you can achieve the end of this. That's what I think. A lot of people can do this race if they have that first courage to say yes to the race. Right? And if you do that, then, and you're determined, you can finish it. Well, I mean, things bad things can happen out there, of course, but but you have a good prospect, and that's what I think. I think you know, I'm just kind of an average guy that kind of said I really want to do this, convinced my brother to do it, and we're sitting around a t- round table now talking about this great race, but we're just a couple of average guys that just said yes to the race, right? Uh, hang old, on, there's a found an old average guys that cross the Atlantic. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, but it's not that complicated. That's my point. It's not that complicated. Sorry, guys. Could you state the question? Was that? You had a question. What was the question? My question is, when you hear the race to Alaska, what does it invoke in you now? What does it make you think of? And I'll add maybe, too, how would you describe, if someone asked you to, to describe the race? Yeah, what is race to Alaska? Yeah, what is race to Alaska? How would you describe it? Okay, so so we didn't go around Price Island. We went through Higgins Passage. We had it labeled on our chart as Nope Passage. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go there. Your boat, your your boat, boat should back. not go through there. Our boat went through there. We, we came, we had this beautiful long pack, just, just Ivory Island, just all the way over. It was gorgeous. Higgins Passage. It was like, oh, what's going to happen? It says there's boulders, and we go through, and we get through, and, and there was... What was it? There was a standing, standing dead nurse log. It was what thirty feet tall with a tree growing out of the top of this log, Bush. and the sun was setting. And we found an anchorage, and then the next day we came out on the other side. And like watching the tracker and everything, I started thinking it was more of a rally. It was like people with common interests all going somewhere, for kind of together, kind of not together. They're ahead, they're behind. You know, we, this event, it's the reason we're out there, but the reason. To be out there got us there, and we paused. There wasn't much wind. And the swell, there was very light swell, just crashing on these rocks. And you could tell they that seemed much worse every winter. And it was like, without the race to Alaska, we would not be right there. And it was a magical moment. And it was just like, thank goodness we said yes, we were going to do this. And we, it was, we weren't going fast that day. And it was fine. <laughs> so I'll reset it one more time. Someone came up to you and said, describe to me race to Alaska. Succinctly, how would you describe... <laughs> no, no, that's a comment on you, Saka. How would you describe the race? It is. It was for me. 
all the elements of daily life, but in much sharper relief. When it was scary, it was holy, you know, and I won't say the rest of that phrase. When it was boring, it was, oh, God, will this ever end? When it was beautiful, it was, as you know, it was transcendent, just as Sakai said. So the, the noise in my head went down. My presence in the moment was much more clear. Sometimes it was forced on me that it be more clear. But it was, it was the elements of my life made clearer, sharper outlines, you know, greater contrast, just the necessity to be present in the moment to handle what was going on, let the racket die down. So it was like life, only more so. <laughs> As a kayaker, one of the things I'll never forget about this race is coming up and all the people that would show up on the shoreline and they would scream out to me. <laughs> and it was so weird. You'd be out in the middle of nowhere. You know, and there'd be a person on the shoreline and scream out to me. And I'd know they're following this freaking tractor because there's no way they'd be in the shoreline screaming at me unless they were following us. Get off my land. (laughs) (laughs) And it was so, so incredibly, like, motivating and inspirational to have these people that, that I didn't know that, uh, that followed this. And so when you describe the R2AK now, it has a very different mentality than when I originally started out. I was about a personal challenge. And then suddenly, as, as this thing kind of overtook, I found out that it was a challenge that inspired other people, inspired a whole community. So what you guys have created here, you know, in the R2AK is really beautiful. And, uh, and it, is, it is so cool to me to see how it has inspired so many people. One of the things that I will forever remember about the R2 case is the times I'd go by a ferry dock and there would be people out there and they would yell at me. <laughs> and uh, Get out of the way. In my mind, they were fans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just all the contact you get. It's so amazing what this race is. And We're about a mile out here just coming in, I guess it was yesterday. I can't even remember. And there's this like big old kind of rusty packer, I guess. It was kind of coming up the channel. He kind of diverts our way. He opens up the wheelhouse. This guy comes out. Yahoo! You made it! <laughs> We also had the Canadian Coast Guard hover, or, uh, helicopter sort of slowly hover over us for a little while, too, which was a slightly different welcoming. But anyway, this is unbelievable. Yeah, uh, and, and unfortunately, it's a, it's a trailer in the pack. We also had people coming back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they saw us. They would always divert over. Exactly. They would always divert over, and they would tell us their story, and we could communicate. And it's, again, it, it's just the community of this thing, and, and uh, it's really cool. Even though you, you, you signed, I signed up solo, so you thought you'd be out alone dealing with everything. It's just the whole community. Of it. It's the RTL AK community. It's the bigger community. Yeah. That's we, what I'll always remember. We were in uh, Johnson Strait, and it was a, we had a good southerly wind blowing. We were double reefed on the mainsail and single reefed on the mizzen and scandalized, right? And we were surfing at 8 to 10 knots. And um, a Coast Guard boat just kind of appears from nowhere and they circle and they come round up to us and this, this guy you know, kind of leans across and he says uh, are you Ernie? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And then, then he's on the tiller at the time and he's, he's actually facing backwards, surfing every day, you know, like this, not looking forward at all. And, uh, yeah? yeah. <laughs> and he says, great. Enjoying it? Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, having a good time. Okay, carry on. <laughs> okay, and I'm going to try one more time to restate the question. One more time. It's you, not possible. Joy, you, it can't answer got, that question. I need, I write, such a hard question. The thumb screws are on. Your back's to the wall. A knife to your throat. And they're like, describe the race to the last door. It's all over. So... I'm an, I'm an accountant, and what I tell the other accountants when they ask what the hell I'm doing for a month when I leave, I say... County I'm going with a girlfriend in a 20-foot sailboat that doesn't have an engine, and we're going to go 750 miles up, up the entire Basically. western coast of Canada <laughs> to Alaska. And that's like the simplest that somebody could possibly understand and it doesn't at all explain what race to Alaska but that's what I tell people yeah I don't I can't sit I'm going to spend the next 10 years trying to figure out yeah. what the heck we did for the past three weeks <laughs> are there others can anyone describe it can anyone describe race to Alaska to it's a personal <laughs> it's a personal experience and you've got to accept everything it throws at you and part of the acceptance is it throws everything mm -hmm. at you and I don't know if the average person understands what everything really means. <laughs> right, how about you? Yeah, you know, I think it's, you know, everybody's touched on a lot of stuff, but, you know, it's, it's really just, uh, you know, experiencing all the emotions out there in a, a natural setting. I mean, you could really be suffering your ass off out there, but you're looking around going, what spectacular scenery. I mean, I'm in the flatlands of Florida you know, uh, most of the time. And so I really appreciate this. A lot of the people local, it's like, ah, oh, just another mountain with trees on it. But me, it's like, holy cow. I mean, like Princess Royal, you know, uh, channel with the waterfalls. And, you know, it was just, wow, it really sticks out in my mind. And um, we saw a whale show worthy of SeaWorld in Fitzhugh uh, Sound. And it was just amazing. And I was almost like they even call it when it was over. I mean, after all the breaching took place, and we stopped paddling for 10 minutes to watch it, one whale rolls over and flips up its pectoral fin, then it rolls over and flips up the other one, and the show's over. No more breaching. It's like he was saying, that's all, folks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just, you know, it's a far more than a race. I mean, people that don't know what you're talking about, it's like, you're in the race to Alaska. And it's like, well, did you win? It's like, yeah. 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 it's like you don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love it. We stopped by. We come by one fisherman, and he said, "He said, Brad told him we're in the race to Alaska." He said, "Well, you're a little far behind." Aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> and the answer was, "Yeah." <laughs> okay, Henry, knife to your throat, back against the wall. You don't get the option of just beating them up. Describe to them the race to Alaska. <laughs> Kill me. <laughs> you could have said senior project. <laughs> How do I describe it? The silence might be telling enough. And so I want to thank you all for sitting around. Did you have anything to say? No, just thanks for talking to us. Great to hear all the stories and great to hear 
I, I like that every time someone tries to sum it up, they go into a new story and into a new <laughs> side. Because it sounds like that. It's a collection of stories. Yeah, so thanks for telling it. All right, let's hear it for the racers. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for organizing the race, Dan. I envy you all for having done this. It's something that 20 years ago, maybe, that Louie and I would have done, but now we can't. And um, you're all winners in our book, and it's been so much fun to be here and watch the three years come up to the people. And I just wish you all the best and hope you come back. Thank you. Thank you. And follow it all at r2ak.com. This is Daniel Evans, race boss for Race to Alaska.